Hey, Potters! Welcome to episode 193 of Cosplay the Podcast for all things cosplay. Hello, everybody! Hello! Hello! Hello. I am Valerie! That one is Amber! Hi, Hello. guys! <laughs> if this is your first time listening to our podcast, welcome! Where have you been all of our lives? We have 192 <laughs> other episodes for you to listen to. That's seven years of awesome. material, you guys. I love it when you introduce us. You do such a good job. I have a face for radio. Aww. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the story for all things costuming, cosplay, and everything in between. We hope everyone's summer in the Northern Hemisphere is going well. And of course, winter for our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. Everybody can work on cosplay at any time, though. So seasons won't stop you. Unless, of course, it's raining outside. Or you live in Texas. You can still go outside and work on your costume, even though it's 98 degrees outside on the thermometer. It just won't be comfortable. Or you live in Texas. <laughs> I mean, come on. Texas has conventions in the middle of summer. They do. Which oh, I'm the Acon, which was right in the middle of summer. <sighs> that just hurts so badly. <laughs> we charge people money to go roast outside. Ah. Capitalism! <laughs> but anyways, let's start off as we do usually. This one's going to be all you because I have no cosplay updates for this week since we just recorded. But you know what? I actually have cosplay updates because I did a thing! Yay! <laughs> it took me two episodes, but I finally did a thing. And you can't see all of the things, but there is a thing here. Boop. So I'm in the process of patterning one of my Disney bounding slash... Not so scary Halloween party for my trip to Disney World in like two months. Yay! I'm starting with my Sleeping Beauty Aurora dress, and it's based off of the year that the movie was released. So it's 1959. Very much more of an Audrey Hepburn look to it. And so far, I'm really happy with the silhouette and how things are coming together. It's going to be um, a two layer dress. It's going to be flat on the top, and I'm going to do some cool ruching with some pinks and blues. And then that'll combine in the bottom half of it. Um, Possibly an A-line skirt. I'm still playing with the shape to figure out what exactly I want to do with it. But I figure because there's so much ruching at the top, I'm probably going to keep it simple at the bottom when the colors all converge with each other. So I've actually just started messing with the actual ruching portion itself, trying to figure out if I want to pleat it, if I just want to do something on the top and the bottom and let the center free flow. But yeah, I'm really happy with how it's coming together so quickly so far. I've just gotten so obsessed with draping now that I'm making a lot of fun, really weird things, and it's making me very, very happy. It'll be nice to start sewing again, that's for sure. Um, and then all the fabrics are sitting in the back. They're nice, they're lightweight, they're free-flowing, which is awesome because Florida. <laughs> Humidity and heat are a thing, even though it's going to be a night event. Um, that has worse weather than Texas. Yes. Oh, and it'll be hurricane season on top of that. <laughs> I picked a good date. To be fair, it is currently hurricane season now, and our neighbors have a hurricane staring at their front door, so... Yay! Mm. Everybody in Louisiana and Mississippi. Yes, please stay safe. Follow all the evacuation rules. You know what to do. Be smart about it. Put your cosplay in trash bags so that they don't get wet. Yeah, I have mine in garment bags. I actually got some really nice garment bags lately that are waterproof. I'm so happy about that. Yep, but yeah, 
this is the thing that I'm working on now. Um, I'm hoping to get a mock-up done probably over the weekend since I actually have a little bit of free time in between my working hours because, yeah, I'm still working weekends. Um, and then after that, I can start putting this puppy together. It'll be nice, comfortable. Um, as far as the hair, I'm kind of debating. A part of me doesn't want to do a wig because they get hot. But the other part of me is like her hair is a really nice golden yellow color. And that kind of makes it stand out with her outfit. I obviously do not have such color hair and I'm not going to dye it. and I'm not going to quick temporarily spray it. That's just going to look nasty. So I may repurpose one of my older wigs, which is pretty close to her color and it has the similar length and do the curls and all that. Debating, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when I get a little bit closer to flight time. <laughs> That's all I got. And of course, if you guys are looking for supplies, such as the dress form that you see there next to Val, keep in mind that Labor Day is coming up. And of course, Labor Day is the time when retailers all like to run sales again anyway, right after 4th of July. Yep. So that's also a good time to start looking to replenish your supplies or get new ones. Huzzah. Huzzah. Money is always a good thing, so you can spend it on more cosplay. Use your coupons. <laughs> yes, please. And the new patterns will be coming out, too. I'm just yes. biding my time. We're just sitting here and waiting because now I've gotten to the point because of you. <laughs> I'm getting really interested in looking at the patterns, even though I don't necessarily buy the patterns. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I know you're not. <laughs> no. You, you can have the patterns. I'll just keep my fabric. I actually have found myself getting fewer and fewer patterns, mostly because I already have a lot of the ones. You have a lot of them. That I need, and I can just modify them to kind of look like the new ones. There's only so many ways you can cut a piece of fabric. Right. There are only so many silhouettes and so many different styles you can do with it. So a lot of what's coming out are just very minor takes on patterns that have been around for a while. So mm -hmm. it's not difficult to modify them. Plus, sadly, there is no dress form that really, you know, looks like me because of my peculiar body shape. So I can't really drape as well since duct taping doesn't last long. Yeah, I will say for the sucker, you can't see it because obviously there's fabric covering it, but I do have padding in certain areas, so that way it better conforms to my shape. And this is still not quite accurate to me. I have to keep in mind little things like the way that the armpits are settled, or the way the top is settled, so that way when I transfer it to do the mock-up, that it'll fit me appropriately. And it's just one of those things that I've had to learn over time. And of course, there's always the custom dress forms, which are admittedly much more expensive, but mm -hmm. send them your body measurements and they will make you a dress form. But also, similar to duct taping, there's always the problem of what happens when I change size. Yeah, it's... I'm trying to think of which dress form company it is, and it's escaping the name of me, but um, they have one that has a pretty standard silhouette, but they have a bunch of padding and sizes and things that you can add to it so that as your body changes shape, you can adjust the dress form to fit you. And I've heard it's really, really good. Just wish I had the name for it. I think but they also sell that padding in a separate package so yeah. that you can use it with commercial dress forms like the one that's next to you. So that works. I mean, my personal problem is it's not padding. It's I'd have to remove things and move them, and I can't really, like, cut things off of a dress form. That's always the hard part. Like, for me, 
uh, I'll show this a little bit in the back, but the way that the back is set up, like for me, this is too high. I have a weird neck thing in the back. It actually needs to be a little bit shorter. So I'm always having to fiddle with the back and adjust and accommodate to make it look correct. <laughs> but if nothing else, dress forms are really handy so that you can make sure that it hangs correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. It's very helpful. All right. Anything else? That's all I got. Awesome. Well, we will move on to the main part of our episode. We have a special guest to share with you guys. We did a roundtable with James, or Blue Lightning Cosplay, of the Cosplay Bites podcast. So we hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Potters, we've got a special treat for you guys today. We are here with James, also known as Blue Lightning Cosplay, from Cosplay Bites, one of our fellow podcasters. And we wanted to invite him here on the show to have a discussion with us about originality and accuracy in cosplay. And as you guys know, we've definitely talked about this before in the past, but given some recent events, new movies, reboots, and everything coming out, we thought that we would go back and cover the topic with some of the new material that we've seen recently in cosplay culture. So we would like to say welcome to you, James. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me on here. This is really cool. <laughs> Indeed. If you'd like to uh, tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Sure. Um, so as they mentioned, uh, I'm James. Uh, I go by Blue Lightning Cosplay, which um, fun quick fact about that. When I first started this whole thing, like making a cosplay page on Facebook, like how everyone and their mother does. Um, I was weirdly entranced by just the blue lightning effect that was on the cover or that was a huge part of um, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Even though I've never played that game, I tried the demo and I couldn't get into it. So I was like, hey, let's go with that. So, um, yeah, so I got into cosplay after going to my first con. It was PAX East 2012. I went there solely to meet uh, Jessica Negri at the time. And then that just kick-started everything off. I ran, I started up a blog called Lightning Palace. I've uh, been running that for five years. And that's mainly a cosplay blog where I just pick a cosplayer and an outfit that they make and I... Just write posts about it, talk about it, like how it was probably made, the photos, how they look. And then that spun into my podcast, which is Cosplay Bites. So I've been doing that for about a year, and I'm trying to keep it going with episodes, mainly on various topics, conventions, and I try to have a guest for every episode or so. Welcome to the realm of podcasting. Thank you. Yeah, I really like it so far. It's fun. It's fun and it's hectic. It's a lot of work. You don't realize how much work it is until you start really digging into it and editing everything together. And you're just like, oh, oh yeah. man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't play Metal Gear Revengeance, by the way. It's not good. <laughs> the demo was all I needed to try. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion of accuracy versus originality. Um, as cosplay has changed over the years, and the first time that we looked at this topic, we had another roundtable discussion as well. And it seemed like we were split 50-50 on accuracy and originality. We appreciated the originality, but we felt like it wasn't quite hitting the cosplay realm as heavy as it was. And now it seems like originality is everywhere, from these cool mashups, you know, to different styles, different tastes. 
Um, and we're, let's just start with, you know, what is everybody's preference? Do you prefer the accuracy or do you prefer the original content? Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, it's it good to have accuracy. And then sometimes, though, I guess cosplayers can be super accurate about it where they have all these little minute details like stuff like adding in crystals to your actual outfit or like these certain colors that really the judges maybe they'll see it maybe they won't or maybe it's just not overall appreciated by everyone else that sees the outfit so there's that and then i'm a huge sucker for original cosplay mainly towards the matchups um i know this one girl i follow she does a lot of original takes on her cosplay i think one of her latest ones was a um punk version of uh, power girl from dc comics and Ooh. really fell in love with that cosplay as a whole probably for me it's kind of a mixture of both because i love seeing people come up with these really cool unique ideas um like there was an Ari um, in an out burger cosplay from Anime Expo last oh weekend. Oh my god, that was amazing. That thing was <laughs> wonderful and and just incredible and impressive. And then there's a part of me as the cosplay judge. If I was at a contest, my brain is okay. How do I compare this to everybody else? Because they need to have some way of either drawing out the content or comparing it to an image to make sure that it's accurate. Otherwise, it's not going to be fair to the rest of the contestants. So it's kind of hard to have a balance between the two. So it's like the fun cosplay side of me is like more original stuff. But then the judging side of me is like I need the accuracy so there's fairness on judging all the competitors. Right, right. So it's almost like there's a time and place for that kind of stuff like yeah original cosplays are like more than welcome they're always awesome but if you want to enter something into a contest then you should definitely make sure to be like about as accurate as you can be toward the character i've actually really grown to like originality i, I used to be when we first had this discussion a stickler for accuracy like you had to look just like the picture and <laughs> You know, more and more as I see cosplayers that all do the same version of the same character, it's like, okay, how do you really judge that if you're in a cosplay contest? Because it's whichever one's more accurate, that's the only thing. It's like, no, no, there's got to be more to it than that. And there's a sort of creativity that I really appreciate whenever you have original takes, but there's also an engineering to it because it has to be yeah. accurate enough that you still know what character it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just, you know, random costumes. So if you can combine the two and have just a really novel take, like Disney bounding, for example, you know, in some ways you can't be accurate because otherwise they will see you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's really preferable in the realm of cosplay. So you're kind of forced to take these really cool off the wall takes, but it's still accurate enough that you know who it is. It's just like, huh, I never would have thought of that. That's actually kind of nifty. And it definitely feels like, especially for social media, that more of the original or the mashup costumes have taken <laughs> over in popularity compared to the accurate ones. Avengers mashup that we saw at Allcon last year? Epic. So at Allcon, we had this one person who decided to not just be one Avenger. He was all of the Avengers in one costume. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, I wonder if it's the same person, but I remember seeing... Years, a while ago, someone did, I think it was a Tim Burton mashup Ooh. of just a bunch of characters stitched together, 
from all the various Tim Burton movies. So I think obviously like um I think Corpse Bride was in there. Nightmare Before Christmas. A whole bunch of his other weird movies that he'd made. That's really cool. I yeah. love I love stuff like that. Let's move on to the next question I have here. Um is there still a stigma on not being accurate for contests? I don't think there's a stigma. Yeah, if you can at least meet the baseline for being like the character you look like, that should be fine enough. Like, props to those that go the extra mile with specific um, material that they use for the outfits, because I know one of my good friends, she does a lot of cosplays. One of which that comes to mind is her um, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, and she went crazy with getting, like, specific leather and, like, animal skin, stuff like that. Stuff that would be plausible to be in the actual game itself. And it was just like, oh, man. Some people just go nuts with this. That's how I like to do my accuracy, is to try to get, like, period-appropriate materials or to source stuff that would be, like, fabrics that would actually really? be in the game or, you know, yeah. the time period. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Okay, that's cool. But in in a way that also kind of makes it original because sometimes it's not the material that is in like the reference image. Like sometimes if it's like, okay, this is obviously a ball gown, so it should be some type of satin. But if I'm going for period accuracy, it's not satin, it's silk. Okay. So yeah. I have to be a little bit original in my material usage and explaining that to the judges so that way they know, you know, this is the choice I made. Here's why. And I don't know, I guess from a judging standpoint, I don't think there's so much as a stigma as a question of how do we judge it with original costumes? Right. Because, again, we have to have something to reference to, like, okay, is there an image? How did you come up with the concept? Where did you find the concept? And then judge that costume against everybody else who went for accuracy. How do we be fair to everybody in between? That's that's always the hard point. We had a great person last year. I'm not going to say the name of the event, but she was um, doing her take on the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And it was a really cool costume, great concept. It was more steampunky version. Okay, um, yep. And the only thing that you could tell that made it so that it was like, oh, she's from Alice in Wonderland, is that she had this really great back piece where the roses were white and they were steadily being painted red on the way down. Ooh. It was cool. cool. Yeah. It was really cool. But the rest of the costume, you if you didn't see the back you wouldn't have really known that it was the Queen of Hearts. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Okay. And that was hard for us to be like, we want to give her great points because she did an amazing job and it was really well constructed, but we couldn't tell it was the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe that's going to become the trend with the accuracy and the originality content for contest is, are you portraying the character in some way that we can say, oh yes, you're that character. Yeah. So like, for example, like, the punk version of Power Girl that I mentioned, if you were to look at her and she was in a contest, could they know it was Power Girl? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got the the iconic <laughs> iconic chest window. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a print of it and I'm looking at it right now. Uh, <laughs> all, all her colors, like blue tied in to the skirt, a lot of fishnets going on. And yeah, you could definitely tell it would be Power Girl even though it's a quote-unquote a mashup of blending a different type of uh, genre. So I think part of the problem, at least on the judging side of it, is that 
if you don't know the character, it's actually difficult to judge whether or not you're accurate to the character. Mm-hmm. As yeah. you know, having been a judge in, in a cosplay contest, there have been several characters from video games I've never played or heard of. And right. even if you gave me an image, it's like, I don't really know who this is. I'm really sorry. So I think we're going to end up having to move to, are you being accurate to the image that you handed me? Your take on the character, whether it's actually like a screen print of that character, or if it's an original artist rendering of, you know, a steampunk take that you had on it, or a gothic take or a post-apocalyptic take on this character. Are you accurate to what you're giving me was your idea? I think that's where we're going to end up going. And something to kind of tie into what James says earlier is, um, if you like stay with the color scheme of the character, that's an easy way to tie in that accuracy. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, your your bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls totally can see that in the color scheme or with the way you did your wig. Like, just little things like that can help maintain yeah. the accuracy and originality. What well, we brought up earlier with the um, judges who aren't familiar with the character that's being portrayed. I'm curious because most of the time when I see cosplay contests and their judges, it's usually you know, famous, um, I guess, prop makers, famous cosplayers and whatnot. I'm wondering if we're going to slowly maybe one day move towards, um, like, if a con wants to get some judges, they should, like, vet them in a way to, like, are you familiar with the subject that's going to be the main focus of the contest? So, like, if you were to put me as a judge for an anime convention contest, I would be very, very bad because I'm not a big, <laughs> I'm not a huge anime guy. Shantanar, I'm not going to know who in the world the characters are. Unless it was like Dragon Ball Z or stuff that I knew because I grew up with it. But like, stuff like um, Bleach, Inuyasha, nope, can't help you there. Not going to lie, it is definitely a challenge. Doing this enough times, I mean, I'm more of a video game person, but I've judged an anime contest before and I have a good knowledge of anime, even if I haven't seen everything, because it's impossible to see everything yeah but it's it's definitely a challenge sometimes because you'll have people come in who are wearing these things that i have never seen before and i'm like oh this is cool where are you from i am so sorry (laughs) it happens all the time and i wish there was something i can do about it but i'm like nope nope it's a thing (laughs) gonna have to deal with it yeah, but I do like the idea of possibly vetting out the judges because the process, it, there really isn't much of a process. Sometimes it's based off of, you know, what your social media following is like or if they're like a famous cosplayer or if they've had a good history of winning a bunch of craftsmanship awards. That's usually one of the three markers right. <laughs> to picking a judge. Or it's part of the deal, like if a cosplayer wants to be a guest and like, yeah, you can be a guest. How about you, as part of that, uh, help judge our cosplay contest? Exactly. Or, or run a panel. Usually it's that type of trading of the services. Like, hey, you can, you're one of our guests, but here is what you need to do uh. in order to maintain that guest status. <laughs> yeah. Been so there. What do you do during uh, general contests, like the one that we have at AllCon, where the subject could be literally anything? Yeah, that's that's always a challenge, and that's one thing that we both try to do is we try to get judges that have a good knowledge of everything. So at least if somebody knows yeah. one thing, that other person can be like, here's our sci-fi and prop expert, so if they can take care of that little section. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're, you're basically, I mean, you're setting the bar at, can you judge all of the cosplay skills rather than are you familiar with the characters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of two different things because I don't think anybody can really be familiar with all the different subjects that we have in cosplay 
anime, movies, TV, comics, etc. Yeah, it's a challenge. Way too much. Too many things in the world. Right. There are way too many things. (laughs) (laughs) Way too many things. All right, let me roll on into our next question. Um, How has the perception of originality changed over the years? I'm not sure that it has. Explain. Originality, the state of being original, is just sort of... Sorry, man. (laughs) Silver platter. Okay. It's just your own take that is not identical to the original, whether it's different hairstyle, different colors, a different outfit for the character, different universe for those characters that have alternate universes, that sort of thing. Just as long as it isn't, you know, effectively violating copyright, you know, sorry to the giant mouse kingdom, of being exactly what their artist's take on that character is, what they dictate, you know, this character is in this box. Pretty much anything outside of that is considered original. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you that some of the perception hasn't changed, but I think it's also become much more accepted. Because it seems like for so long that we had this focus on accuracy, 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 even outside of contests. But now that cosplay has become so much more accessible and it's easier to thrift store or make your costume or buy a costume from a source and then dress up as whatever you want. I think it's made it a lot more easier to, to be original, but to also have more fun with it. No, but nobody's going to stigmatize you and be like, no, you can't do this. Now it's like, hey, you're in a costume. Have fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, like just original designs uh, just tend to be more, they're getting more accepted and they're getting more like appreciated, like more mm-hmm. attention slightly, I'd say, a little bit more than the super accurate versions. Because, I mean, if it's an original take, then it's something they've never seen before, something that hasn't been like established in like canon media or stuff like that. It's definitely a lot more fun just to see the cool things that people come up with. Right, right. It's become a lot more popular to take characters and put them in the universes of other series. What would my character be like in Stranger Things? What would my character be like if they were an Avenger? That sort of thing. Seeing that more with the Dragon Ball universe lately. I see that a lot with, like, Star Wars. Like, yes. And, like, um... Let's just stick all the Disney princesses in Slave Leia outfits. Let's see how that looks. <laughs> Let's turn everyone into a Jedi. This is what Mickey would be like if he was a Jedi. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a Mickey Jedi out there somewhere since Disney now has Lucas. Sure. Oh, no. I have a pin because I go to <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> My past trip to Disney World. I'm a major pin hoarder. So, I mean, I have a lot of Star Wars Disney pins. I have Donald Duck as Darth Maul. It's really awesome. <gasps> I need to find this immediately. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Wait, wait. I hope Darn. it is there because I'm taking a Disney trip in like two months. Oh, I, I it need, might be. I need this pin. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me. <laughs> I have an obsession with Donald Duck and I do love the prequels immensely. I love the dark side. I am oh, a really? big fan oh. of the dark side. Oh, that's um... awesome. <laughs> and derailed conversation. <laughs> I would have known that. I could have gotten those for your birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Trust me, I go on tangents off topic on my show all the time, so this is nothing new to me. This is normal for us, too. It's okay. (laughs) Another take is that as the budgets of movies have gone up, it's getting pretty expensive to make a really 100% accurate costume, especially if you look at recent movies like Aquaman. Yeah. 
And so in order to bring cosplay to the masses, as it were, so that it's accessible to everyone, casual cosplay really took off as a thing. Hey, pull oh, yeah. something out of your closet, put on wig of character, poof, you're that character on an off day when they're not being a superhero. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, casual superhero mode. Can't go wrong with that. No, you cannot. Hipster well, superheroes. Yes, hipster superhero. That's a good yeah. one. Because yeah. the 80s are making a comeback. Or you can do the whole school uniform as casual cosplay, insert character name here. Yeah, I see a lot of fan art of that. Mm-hmm. Mainly like a lot of like the casual version of like, what would the Teen Titans look like when they're not doing stuff? Yeah, when they're not in their superhero gear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to wash that stuff periodically. It gets stinky. Uh, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is great. So yeah. we would like to thank James. Blue Lightning Cosplay, for being here on our podcast. If you would, please let people know where they can find your podcast, Cosplay Bites. Uh, yeah, so just, again, thank you both so much for letting me be on this little discussion. This was a lot of fun. Um, Cosplay Bites um, can be listened to on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Those are the main four I'm trying to stick with. And, of course, we'll put links to your show in the show notes for those who need it later on. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So, again, thank you so much to James for being with us on the show. We do heartily encourage you guys to go check out his podcast, Cosplay Bites. And, of course, you can find that information in the show notes as well. We always really enjoy talking shop with other podcasters and other cosplayers. In all seriousness, you guys, it really gets us pumped up. So if you ever catch us in public at conventions, please don't hesitate to stop us and just say hi and and just kind of chat about cosplay. It's always a lot of fun. Or if you happen to know of other cosplay-related podcasts that are out there that maybe we're not aware of, feel free to send them our way because we're podcast listeners too. We love sitting down and listening to that content. And not just cosplay, but costuming as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep, because we are now, at this point, pretty much cosplay elders. I think we're one of the only surviving cosplay podcasts, because there have been other podcasts. Mm-hmm. that Unfortunately, sometimes life just gets in the way, and you end up having to leave behind the podcast. And we've had some of those uh, guests on our show, and it's always been a lot of fun. Yeah, we we are more than officially the longest-running cosplay-related podcast out there by, like, six years. (laughs) Yeah, seven years, you guys. We've been doing this since 2012. Yeah. It's been a long time. And cosplay has changed a lot, as you guys saw in the roundtable. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days of simple cardboard costumes and party city wigs. I don't miss those days. And on that note, <laughs> if you guys would like to tell us about your first cosplays and what you were doing in 2012, please keep it family friendly. We invite you guys to join us on any of our social media, which of course you can find here. All over the place here. Wee! And back to Amber. And a special announcement about our social media. Please keep in mind that we are closing down our Discord at the end of this month. Boo. Unfortunately, As we said earlier, sometimes life just gets in the way, and unfortunately, we just don't have time to maintain it. But do not fear. The podcast will still be here. 
We're going to keep broadcasting, of course, as normal, and all the rest of our social media will still be here, so it's only the Discord that's going away. We will still be here with you guys every other weekend, for good or ill. Okay, we Dr. Seuss. <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> and of course, you can always still email us, podcast at cospod.org, and share your opinions with us that way. Either way, we thank you guys for listening to the show, for sticking with us. We also would like to thank you in advance for sharing the show, please, because, of course, you'll notice we are not ad-supported. We are not sponsored in any way. The only way that we can increase our reach is you guys sharing us with the rest of the world, and we definitely encourage you to do that. Thank you so much in advance, and we will wish you guys happy cosplaying. See you guys next episode in 194. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys!